I cover this church with prayer. You cover me with the logistics, okay? Deal? All right, sounds good in Jesus' name. Hey, we're going to look into uh, um, or further into a Bible study tonight. I hope that um, these, um, uh, what do you call them, devotionals, I hope that they are being very, uh, that they're valuable to you, that you're reading through them, that you can find some um, good things to, um, to allow your brain to marinate on. On a, on a daily and a weekly basis. That's one of the reasons we go to a format like this is because we want stuff that can be handed out and stuff that can be put into your hands and you can do this. And um, we just, I've heard some good things about the Bible study. I personally like them. I like um, this kind of a study that just goes into different subjects and helps us to live for God. And so I thank God for that. Um, the, the four or the five lessons that we're dealing with this month have to do with kingdom living. Kingdom living. Remember last week we talked about the Beatitudes, didn't we? Nine of them in chapter number five of, um, of Matthew, chapter number five. Um, can anybody name them? What's the first one? Blessed are the poor and spirit, for theirs is the... Yeah, what's the second one? What is it? Yeah, blessed are they that mourn for what? They shall be comforted. Never forget that. Blessed are the meek. For what are, what are they going to inherit? Yes. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after what? Yes. What's going to happen if they do that? They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, compassionate. What are they going to get? You better believe it. They're going to get mercy, mercy too. Then number, the number six one is blessed are the pure in heart. Yes, let's never forget. They're going to see God. We're going to see God. A lot of times when we let God cleanse us and we purify ourselves, we will see God. What's the seventh one? Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they're going to be called something. Yeah, that's right. And then the next two, blessed are they that are for what? Yeah, we talked about that last week, that if you live for God, you're probably going to get that. Somebody's going to not like you living for God in front of them. You know, look at somebody and say, too bad. No, I don't, don't say that to them. But the bottom line is that sometimes they're going to persecute you for that type of righteousness. Then what's the, what's the ninth one? Blessed are ye when men shall... Yeah, re revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of what? For my sake, Jesus said, falsely. Now, always make sure that they don't have something they can conjure up against you, you know. And then it says, rejoice. Be exceeding glad. Why? Yeah, God's storing all this stuff up in heaven. And so you and I must understand that's what he's doing. So nothing that we accomplish or do for the Lord goes, you know, amiss. I mean, God, he, he sees these things. Now, tonight what we're going to talk about is the byproduct of that. You see, the scripture tells us, I want you to see something. Look at first John, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And I want to show you something here. And I have to remind myself of this on a, on a fairly regular basis of what's really, really happening. You know, the scripture says there in first, or the Gospel of John chapter 1, talks about the beginning is the word, but I want to go down to verse number 11. Look at verse number 11, first, or Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now this is referring to Jesus, of course. He came and spent 
years, you know, in that uh, area of Israel, and they did not receive him, but as many as received him. Now, the word there, received there in the Greek, literally means to take, get a hold of, seize, be amazed, and to obtain. Now, that's quite a, quite a conglomeration of words there. But it really means that we need to get a hold of God, and he needs to get a hold of us. Because the Bible says to them, those that do that, look at this in verse number 12, gave he power. Look at that. You know, power. And the word power there means is, is exusa, which means he gives you power to withstand certain things. He gives you power to go through things. That's not a dynamos power that's going to, you know, bring the gifts of the Spirit a lot of times. What it's going to do is going to give you sustaining power because it takes time. And he says, gave them he power to become. Do you see that? Become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So never make any mistake about it, folks, that's what's happening. You and I are becoming something. We're not just doing things. We're not just filling up our time here on this earth, getting busy, although that happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, but that's not the accomplishment. The accomplishment is we're becoming something for God, you know, and that is, I mean, that one really is deep, and it's wide, and it's high, and it's, I mean, it's, it's all over the place, and so don't ever forget that. That's what's happening here. And so in the meantime, what God has in the mandate for every person who comes into the kingdom and is born again, God has a mandate for them to become a witness. Now, this is important because, you know, again, this is what's going to help us not only to reach our world, and it's also going to keep us occupied. If you're like me, I, I like to get busy. I hope that you do too. I don't think that we should be too busy that we can't do, you know, uh, different things. But the bottom line is being busy for the kingdom of God is a privilege, okay? And so being a witness is what God wants us to do. And we're going to talk about two things that, that, that Jesus used as an analogy or as a word picture to show us what kind of a witness he wants us to become. Okay? And, and make no mistake about it, every one of us can accomplish this. This is not something that is not obtainable. This is something that is very much obtainable, okay? And so keep that in mind. I know sometimes we get looking at some of the challenges that God puts before us, and we think, man, I don't know if I could ever do that. Well, God wouldn't put it in there if you couldn't accomplish it. So keep that in mind in Jesus' name, you know. Listen to this. Being called to be a witness in a court of law may be an anxiety-filled process. You know, we might be, boy, I don't want to go there, you know. Witnesses are often called to testify in court for important reasons. Now, when a witness is called forward, attorneys, attorneys believe that uh, their witness's uh, word can help either make or break the case. And so the defendant is hoping to be saved by the witness. The plaintiff is hoping that the witness will bring a conviction. Now, I'm talking about a, um, you know, our court of law or the natural court of law. Now, the process seems ceremonious, you know, but the witness must show up at the courtroom at the appropriate time. Got to be there on time, preferably dressed in a respectable manner. The witness must place one hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Then the questions often come in rapid-fire succession. The witness tries to carefully remember all the details, knowing every word spoken will be analyzed. Even the witness's mannerisms can be critiqued. You know, were they nervous? Why did they say what they said? 
and not something else. What about, you know, what the witness didn't say? You know, was anything admitted or avoided? The witness might sit in their chair with their mind racing, realizing that their words might forever literally change somebody's life. Isn't that something? Well, while being a witness for God, now this is really what we're trying to do, is bring this into the Bible study here, um, should not produce, or, or while being a witness for God should not produce the same level of anxiety, after a while we should be getting comfortable with living for God and allowing him to use us in that way. You know, but it still should be treated with the same level of seriousness. This is serious. God left us on this earth so that we could do these things for him. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah. You know, we can quickly see many similarities to faith. And just as a courtroom, a witness for God is expected to act and dress in a certain way. If not, his character could be called into question. Yeah. A good witness must have an answer ready. It would be foolhardy for him to arrive unprepared. The witness must be just as careful about what they say as what they do not say. Furthermore, what the witness does not say is almost as important as what he does say. You ever thought about that? A good witness does not add or take away from the truth. So, however, a major difference between God's witnesses and most courtroom witnesses is the over or the empowerment that comes with the infilling of God's Spirit. Jesus himself prophesied, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. That's what Acts 1 and 8 says. It says Christians do not need to be anxious about being witnesses because they know that God, listen to this, has already granted every spirit-filled believer the power and the nece uh, power necessary to be an effective witness. God has already given you the power to let this become accomplished in Jesus' name. Why don't you lift up your hands right now. Close your eyes, both of them, and say, God, I want to be a, an effective witness. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes. God is going to help us with that tonight. He's going to show us how important it is in the name of Jesus. And so the Lord will help us with that in the name of Jesus. As I said before, a lot of times Jesus chose to use different illustrations to try to get his point across and that type of thing, and certainly tonight is no exception. So we're going to be looking at, first of all, Matthew chapter number 5 and verses 13 through 16. Last week we talked about the Beatitudes, and we talked about how important it was for us to have a proper attitude and to be able to allow, allow the Lord on a daily basis to adjust that attitude because there's not one of us, any of us, that at, a, at one point or another we just, a lot of it is just our attitude towards it. It doesn't have anything to do with the circumstances, doesn't have anything to do with the obstacles. It just has to do with our attitude towards what we're going to do. And with God's help, we can get that adjusted. Can you say amen? amen. I believe that in Jesus' name. And so the metaphors that Jesus chose to use, and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing your attention here to, um, to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. And, um, of course, this is where Jesus began to do some, what I would consider, very intentional teaching. He didn't, um, kind of, I like to say, kind of took off the kid gloves. And he began to approach 
uh, life from a very methodical and very systematic type of a way and, and talked about things that need to be added to our lives in Jesus' name. And so we talked about tonight the nine different Beatitudes that we need to have, and God can help us with those. Can you say amen? Well, this is what they will help us to produce. Look at this in Matthew chapter number 5. The scripture says, it says in verse number 13 there, it says, you are the salt of the earth. I don't know if you realize that or not. It says, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Somebody, uh, what, what's salt good for? What's it for? Just a second. What's salt good for over here? Cooking? Cooking? Flavor. Did you say that? Did you say? What's that? Preservation. Preservation. Yeah. Well, those were the two that I'm thinking of. Preservation and flavor. That's what salt is good for, you know. And I understand that too much salt sometimes can cause problems with people. But nevertheless, there's no question about it that these, these ingredients are very important for the cooking person. You know, a lot of times if you add a little dash of salt or you put a little salt on something, it'll make all the difference in the world. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not. But there's actually four things that have to have salt on them. Four. Sweet corn. Sour green apples. Okay. Tomatoes. Tony, he knows that. No, that was you. I'm pointing at you. I said French fries. Well, French fries. Okay, and what was the fourth one, Sister Carnahan? What's that? No, no. I, I had a fourth one. No, there was four. What? Come on, what, what needs salt? No, the fourth one. You know what the fourth one is? Popcorn. Come on. Yeah, those are the four things that need salt on it, all right? Tomatoes, right? But, but we all understand, and there's probably many preferences in here. But salt really does make the difference, doesn't it? And so we can look at the fact that God wants us to be the flavor in somebody's life. He doesn't want us to be the person that condemns them or puts them down or tells them how bad they are. He wants us to bring flavor into the situation. And so for that to happen, I'm going to tell you something, we got to have the right attitude. That's why we went through what we did last week. You know, you and I think we can produce this stuff, and we can with the help of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? But you'd be surprised if you got the right attitude. If you go to work with the right attitude, I'm going to tell you something. You automatically make somebody's day. You automatically bring some, bring some, uh, some flavor into that situation. And that's what you and I, we have to remember. This is what God is. You know, it says here in the Bible study that salt is a strong ingredient by itself. It is. You know, no question about it. You know. But salt also or actually draws out flavors and elevates the taste of an entire dish. So this is what it's designed to do. So again, you and I, what God wants us to become with the proper attitude, is the salt of the earth. 
Now, the other one was, of course, and I, I'm sorry, brother, I can't hear too good tonight, but the bottom line is, is preservation. Is that you and I were called upon to preserve truth in this world. Now, come on, that's quite a responsibility. I understand that, but that's why you and I must understand the truth. But first of all, we got to know the truth. And so this is why our responsibility level goes down pretty deep because you and I have to, we, we need to study the Word of God. We need to, you know, hear the Word of God. We need to claim the Word of God. I mean, all of these things. But the bottom line is God wants us to receive the Word of God. The Bible says, in fact, in the book of James that we should receive with meekness the engrafted Word. That's what? Able to save our souls. And so you and I, we become the preservers. God has put us in quite a position for that. And I understand that, you know, that this can get to be, you know, get to be kind of lonely sometimes. You know, especially when we think we're the only person around that's living for God. And it might be the case at the time. But you think about it, if you could become the salt of the earth and you could become a flavor, you could become something that would enhance somebody's life. Think of the possibilities. Jesus' name. And so again, this is, these are the mandates that God puts in, into our lives. You know, the overall picture here is we're talking about being a witness. You know, God wants us to be a witness to this world. And so in order to do that, you know, we, we need to have some preserving power. And God can help us to do that in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now the second thing here, of course, is in, in, um, is in verse number 14, is that the scripture teaches us that we are the light of the world. Praise God. And it's, we're a city that, that is that's set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. Praise God. Think about this, what, what he's describing here. You know, so the light, you know, can be seen. It never ceases to amaze me when I fly at night, how that when you fly over the country, you know, how you can look down out the window and you can begin to see those cities and those lights, you know, are, are, are you know, illuminate all over the place. And I've even gotten to the place because there's certain places I have flown to, you know, quite a bit. And so I become familiar with it, you know. Um, every time when I come back into Gillette from, from, um, from Denver, is I look out the window if I'm not too tired and I try to pick out what I'm seeing out there in the light and the mines and all that kind of business. But nevertheless, purposely, God puts us on a hill where people can see us, you know. And I understand that our goal is not to bring attention to ourselves. Our goal really is to bring attention to God. We become transparent. And so the people can see Jesus through us. But nevertheless, you know, you're the one that allows that to happen. And so think about that. Think about your world. Think about where you're at. Think about the people in your world that need to see the light. And now we begin to understand how God expects us to become the witness. Now this doesn't mean that, 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 that we save everybody. It just means that we show everybody in our world, praise God, that they can still be saved. No matter what's going on in their life, praise God, God can still reach them. And boy, I mean to tell you, that can make all the difference in the world in Jesus' name. Can you think of somebody right now that needs the light? Can you think of one person? Why don't you lift up your hands and pray for that right now? Oh, in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, we live in a dark world. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Come on, we're a city that's set on a hill, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, God's going to have a, have a great way with us in the name of Jesus.
Come on, your light's going to shine brighter than it ever has before, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Oh, that's it, that's it. Reach them, Lord God. Show them. Help me to become that light. Help me to become that flavor in their life that they can begin to notice a difference in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I believe it's going to happen, folks. I believe it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Praise God. Brother, do you have that video? Okay, why don't you go ahead and play that now? As a kid, I grew up in a uh, single-parent home. My, my father wasn't there and wasn't able to teach me a lot of things that I uh, saw a lot of my friends receive from their parents. And my mother would always make sure that we went to church. And if the doors were open, this was back in the uh, 80s and 90s when there were four or five services a week, we had to be there and we had to look our best. Uh, this often required us to go to local thrift stores to pick up clothing that was often two or three sizes too big or you know ugly colors like some type of green or something that I just did not want to wear as a child. Uh, but my mother also insisted that I wear neckties and um, she would pick up all these different clip-on ties and make sure that I had one to wear to church. And uh, around the age of about eight or nine years old, I decided that clip-on ties were just uh, not for me as a child. I wanted to be a man and I wanted to wear a regular necktie. So I picked out a tie and um, I marched off to church and she took me there and told me that I was going to have to find somebody that would show me how to tie a necktie. So I marched into church feeling like a million bucks as a 10 or 11 year old child and uh, hoping that somebody would recognize that I had a need that I needed to learn how to tie this necktie. And I was walking down the hall that Sunday morning and there was a Sunday school teacher by the name of Brother Daryl. And uh, he complimented the tie, which automatically caught my attention and paused a moment and asked me if I knew how to tie it. And he said, why don't you step over here for a few moments and I'll, I'll help you out with that. And as a kid without a father, this really made a huge impact on my life because here was an individual that had all the opportunities of leading people, but yet he recognized a need in my life. And he stepped me aside, showed me how to tie a tie, taught me in that moment, spent maybe five, six minutes showing me how to do it. And still to this day, I tie a tie in the same way that he taught me as a young child. Over the next decade and a half, uh, there were other men in my life that would pick me up and take me to father-son uh, camping trips. They would teach me how to do certain things, pay for me to go to youth camps, do all kinds of things that really demonstrated to me that the love of God and the light of God was something that you should invest in place in other people's life. And the reason I am where I am today, the reason that I've been able to be involved in so many different avenues uh, in the field of education, as well as working in youth camps and different aspects of ministry is because I saw the light through somebody else when I needed it in my life. And I'm able to do that today because of what they share with me. Wow, what an awesome testimony, huh? And what an opportunity that we have. Praise God. That is really something. Um, you know, I think all of us need to take heed to that, that there's somebody out there that possibly we could be doing this with or for, and, and boy, what a difference that would make in their life. You know, that type of thing. Can anybody think of a song that would go with tonight's lesson? Ah, uh, boy, she's great minds. Yeah. Isn't that it? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, you're not all singing. 
this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now here's here's one that we gotta we've gotta consider. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Try it over here. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it. They're better whoopers than you are. I won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. One more time. This little light. This little light of mine. Come on, it's gonna grow. I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. If anything, why don't we make a commitment tonight sometime that God, I'm gonna let that light shine. I'm going to let it shine as bright as it can in Jesus' name. Because Jesus said here, and I'm still continuing in Matthew chapter 5, He said, you are the light of the world. He said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Why? And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Think about that. It says, so let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Boy, doesn't that make sense? See, that's what God wants us to do. And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record tonight, but a lot of times that all has to do with the attitude that we have towards things. You know, sometimes we don't want to do things. Sometimes we don't want to be some places. Sometimes we don't want to, you know, uh, continue on. But the bottom line, with an attitude change, praise God, we can realize that with our flavor in this place, I'm making a difference for somebody. You know, with my light shining in this neighborhood, praise God, all of these people have an opportunity to come to Lord and be saved. Come on, can you say Amen. This is what God wants to help us to do. Because God's goal in life is that, that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so this is what the Lord wants, wants us to consider and contemplate from time to time. Now we're going to shift from those two metaphors or those two analogies, and we're going to talk about a role, and our role as a witness. And so witnessing is very, very important. And we talk about three or three, two or three different aspects of this witnessing. And first of all, I want to talk about the idea that, that we need to become a witness with evangelism. That we need to be ready to, to invite people to come, you know, not only to services, but maybe to special events or that type of thing. Or maybe even into your own home for a home Bible study. What do you think about that? See, Invitation evangelism is for everybody. Let me give you the scriptures that will help us maybe to, get to, to, to wrap ourselves around this. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Scripture says there, this of course is talking about uh, Jesus and he had uh, died and been buried for three days. He rose from the dead and he was, he's been uh, visiting with his disciples and giving them, them encouraging words and that type of thing. And it culminates with this in verse number 18. Look at this. This is in Matthew chapter 28 and 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
And then that two-letter word, everybody say it. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which we understand that Father and Holy Ghost and, um, and Son are all titles. And so what do we baptize people into the name of? That's right. And so we baptize them in Jesus' name. We know there's no conflict here. And so the scripture says that after that, then we can begin to teach them to observe all things. So you think about it. You know, as a witness, we have an opportunity to bring some of these things into people's lives. He said to teach them and to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And so we see this, and we commonly call this the Great Commission. This is what Jesus told his disciples to do. Amen. And so I think there's lots of ways that we can do this, but I, I, I feel like one of the ways that we can do this is by personal ways. Where are we at? What kind of places do we go? Praise God. Um, I remember, uh, just to illustrate this, uh, years ago, I used to get my coffee down here at this come and go down here, just down the road here. And it wasn't called that then, it was a 7-Eleven. And I'll never forget, there was a lady in there that every morning, I, I made it a point because um, there was just something that I felt like the Lord was leading me in there. And there was a lady in there that was at the counter. And her and I, we began to strike up a conversation and we been just talk about different things. I didn't talk about religion to her or any, any, and who I was and that type of thing. I just brought up the conversation. And after about two or three weeks, I'll never forget, after going in there, and I just made it a point to go in there and get my morning coffee, you know, all of a sudden, you know, um, she started to share with me. And her and her husband were going through kind of a tough time and, and um, nothing real serious, but they were just going through a tough time. And it gave me that opportunity. And I opened, she, I opened up the door, she opened up the door, and I began to tell her a little bit about my life and what God had done you know, and how he had brought me into, into a church, a true church, and, and um, helped me to realize true biblical salvation. I don't think I even went through the specific plan of salvation, but I just told her, I said, listen, there's hope in God. There's just something, you know, and I'll never forget leaving that day, and I, I just didn't pay much attention to how she reacted to it, but I remember going back the next day, you know, and, and continuing my little ritual of, of, of picking up my coffee there. And pretty soon after about a week of that, she just said, by the way, she says, where do you go to church? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. I said, it's not very far from here. I said, it's just right down the road here. It's right down the street. She said, would it be okay for my husband and I to come to church here? I said, no, no, we don't allow anybody in there. There's just four of us in there, and that's all we want, you know? Come on, what do you think my reaction was? I said, of course you can come. I said, you would be welcome. I said, and by the way, and that was the first time, by the way, that was the first time that I introduced myself as the pastor of the church. And I said, I would be glad for you to come. And Ron and Karen Edwards showed up here the next week. And they began to come to church here for a number of years you know, until they moved to Oregon. She has since passed away, but I still get emails from Ron Edwards. So I don't know if some of you might too. But there's just one of those things where I didn't go out of my way. I just followed the leading of the Lord. And I just went in there and just struck up a conversation with somebody who would talk and just kept up with it and kept up with it and kept up with it. And sooner or later, they ended up in church. They both were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And can we give God the glory? Amen. 
Now, come on, that's what that's all about. And listen, I personally believe that God has somebody for you in this city that he, he would maybe have you get that involved with. And you could, you, know, you could see them come to church. You could see them to come to full salvation. And I'm going to tell you something. That really says a lot about the light, praise God, that's in your, life, in your life in Jesus' name. And so consider that. Evangelism is a very important thing. And it can come in all kinds of shapes and forms. But I believe that the Lord wants to help us with that. I think another form of witnessing, you know, is the fact that, you know, somebody said this, and I, I don't know who it was, but they said that, that Christians are insulated, but they're not isolated. And sometimes we, as Christians, sometimes we want to isolate ourselves from the world. And I'm certainly not advocating that you should go everywhere. I think there are some places that we do need to say, hey, I'm not going in there, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to be a part of that. But I think on a general sense, I think that God puts us in this world so that we can, so that we can be seen. Remember what the metaphor is. He said, you're like a city set on a hill that can't be missed. And so this is what God wants to do for us, praise God. He wants to put us right in a place where people can begin to notice us. But make no mistake about it, that's a tremendous responsibility because you know what people are going to start doing? You better believe it. They're going to start watching you. They're going to start checking you out. They're going to start, I, I think what a lot of people really are looking for today is somebody who says what they mean and means what they say. Not somebody who's perfect. Not somebody who never makes a mistake, but somebody that literally, praise God, they can look at and they can say, well, you know, that person is a true blue person, you know? And so think about it. I believe that's where your light can really begin to shine in Jesus' name. But you know what that's going to take? That's going to take some discipleship. That's going to take some dis discipline. That's going to take, like Jesus said here, go ye into all the world, you know, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Wow. You know, that takes time. That takes effort. And so this is what, what we do. This is what we signed up for. We signed up to become a disciple. And so by doing that, I believe that God will put us places where not only we will become the flavor, we'll become the preservant, but we'll become the light that shines, praise God, and people will see that very clear. And I believe that the hungry and the thirsty, praise God, which who knows when they're going to become that, are going to be attracted to that kind of thing. Can you say amen? Come on, I believe this is, this is just uh, Christianity 101. And so the Lord can help us to do that, but it's going to take some effort on our, on our part. What they really need to see, in my opinion, is they need to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They need to hear from our, us that we've got hope when nobody else has it, praise God. And then, in my opinion, they need to see it. And they might watch us go through something. They might watch us go through, you know, a tough event or something like that. And boy, would our light shine if we could go through it with the confidence that God is still in charge. Can you say amen? How many would like to achieve that kind of, 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 of a witness in your life? I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to believe that God is going to lead you down those pathways that's going to give you that kind of ingredients in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I sense a hunger in here tonight. I sense that there are people that really do want to be used in this ministry of witnessing. They really do want to become the salt of the earth. They really do want to become the light of the world. And I believe this is 
exactly your will for them in their life right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I believe even this week you're going to enhance some things. You're going to help them to see some things that will bring this to pass in the name of Jesus. And Father, I'm looking forward to people winning souls. I'm looking forward to people leading people to the Lord in Jesus' name. And I believe in this city we're going to see an influx of that in the name of the Lord. And I give you the praise and the glory and advance. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let your light shine through us, Lord Jesus. Let your light shine through us brighter than it ever has before, Lord. And I believe with your help it can happen in the name of Jesus. I pray for the encouragement and the uplifting and the exhortation of every person in this place for that aspect in the name of Jesus. That it can happen, it will happen, and God, I give you the glory in advance in the name of Jesus. Come on, can somebody give God the praise? Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. And so in conclusion tonight, you know, every aspect of my life, you know, I can demonstrate God's glory. God can use everything, everything that we're going through. Praise God. And so you think about that. Praise God. And uh, so one might be surprised how much God's glory can be reflected in our lives. Think about that. When God is allowed to saturate and to fill every part of our lives. When we take it in, he can let it shine. Praise God. And so it is easy to see how God can be reflected in our speech, our dress, but God's glory should also be demonstrated in how we manage things like our finances or do our business decisions or raise our kids or even drive in traffic. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> see, I still got some things to work on too, you know that, don't you? Yeah. But you know, really, it's the truth. And I haven't cut anybody off in traffic in probably the last two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, just, I'm learning. I am learning. You know, the process of being formed into God's image, that's really what's happening here, by the way, you know, is lifelong and is only completed, you know, when we finish our course and are received into heaven. And so until then, we are in a continual process of self-examination, praying daily for God to keep molding and transforming us, you know, into that vessel that he wants us to be that can contain the things of God in Jesus' name. Listen to this in conclusion. Part of being a good witness in a courtroom is seen in the attitude and the demeanor of the witness. We talked about that before. A lot of times judges, I know for sure, can really pick up on that. And a flippant witness will not be taken very seriously, but an, uh, but an arrogant witness will lose credibility. So a witness who only pleads the Fifth Amendment and refuses to speak will be seen as, a, as useless. And the words of the witness will not be viewed, you know, or will not be viewed in a vacuum as if they were words on a page. The witness's lifestyle will be just as relevant as his words and his mannerisms could cause even a true testimony to be rejected. Now, let me give you an example of this, okay, in the scriptures. 
The Bible says it talks about this in Acts chapter 16. It says an example of a true witness with a bad lifestyle was the demon-possessed woman who followed Paul and Silas as they witnessed in Philippi. Now you can find this in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. You know, the woman described as a soothsayer or a fortune teller followed them around screaming, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Well, it seems like a pretty good word, doesn't it? But her lifestyle wasn't that way. And so interestingly, the words of this witness were true, but even though she was possessed by demons and she told the truth about Paul and Silas. But Paul after several days of this going on, notice that there was something different between her words and her mannerisms. So do you remember what he did? Yeah, it's what got him put in jail, ultimately. But he began to rebuke that devil, and he cast that devil out of that person's life, praise God. And this woman, praise God, became a witness for the Lord in Jesus' name. And so this is what we see in life sometimes. We see people who have the right words, but boy, their life don't really tell the same tale. And I'm not here to be the judge, folks, but I think God gave us license to be a, a fruit inspector. And Jesus, in fact, said you would know them by their fruit. And so one of the things that I've been working on for, for all of my life is, Lord, let these words that I'm speaking out of my, my mouth be, be identical to the, to the mannerism or the lifestyle that I portray. And I understand we struggle with this sometimes, but God can help us to do that. I remember my daughter-in-law when she was the youth leader here. She would preach to the kids and she would say all kinds of the things to the young people. And one of the things that she said, I know to the Fitzner boys, that really stuck, is she would say, we need to preach the gospel. And then she would hesitate and then she would say, and if, if we need to, use words. And what she was talking about was the fact that your life and my life, our life, should speak volumes. And so this is what God can help us to do. And that's why, you know, we talk about holiness, we talk about mannerisms, we talk about, you know, all, uh, you know, having our conversation or our lifestyle in line with God. And I understand we're all a work in progress, but never forget that's what God is trying to do with you. He's trying to get you to speak loudly in a place without you even having to say a word. Isn't that powerful? And I believe that God can use that to bring people to the Lord because in this world that we're living in, we got a lot of people who can talk the talk. Yeah. And so you and I don't want to just be people who talk the talk. We want to be people who walk the walk in Jesus' name. How many is ready to let God use them this week? Why don't you stand this tonight? I appreciate you coming. Appreciate your response. Appreciate what the Lord is doing in your life. And believe me, God is making progress with every one of you. But let's give him the opportunity to make more progress. What do you say? Let's commit it to him right now. Let's just say, God, you have...